podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. De Bruyne, oh, one mil city! Funnels! And Pogba leaves for McTominay! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. It's game week 37, and you know what that means. It's another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable. Obviously, it's coming down to the wire here when it comes to, you know, European spots at the moment. The league has decided. Once again, congratulations to league champions, Manchester City. Relegation has also been decided, unfortunately, for... Three teams that they're going down to the championship. Um, unfortunately for Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham. So commiserations to their fans. Hopefully they're able to bounce back soon. But yeah, as I said, top four is still up for grabs. The rest of the European Europa League, Europa League Conference are all up for grab as well. So it'll be interesting to see how everything shapes up. And this midweek game week, could be pivotal in deciding what happens there. But that's not the only thing that needs to be settled when it comes to this podcast. Because we think Bank It or Burn It needs to be settled. And I'm throwing in a teaser now because we're going to discuss it later. But there has been news from the suits, the men and the women that wear the suits, that do that part of the business side of things, the off podcasts, the off air business side of things, they've come to a decision on what we need to do to be able to determine who is the tad predictable banquet or burner champion for 2020 stroke 2021. And that is one of the reasons that my guest is here today. I have brought back executive producer Guy Drinkle. Guy, you've basically got the golden envelope. Um, and, and you're going to reveal something that I think is pretty exciting for what's going to transpire over the next week when it comes to a tad predictable. Are you calling me Brendan Rogers? <laughs> Hopefully it's not <laughs> a Brendan Rogers envelope situation for, for those of you that remember that infamous being Liverpool documentary. Yes. <laughs> it's moving swiftly on. <laughs> Jesus. <Yeah. laughs> Nobody needs to remember that show. But yes, it sounds uh, we do have some interesting plans for the last game week and uh, see you become second place to me spiritually in, in Banquet or Burn It. <laughs> you are not in the running, unfortunately, Guy Drinkle. Obviously, I'm speaking about Alex Letizia and Jody McKennis. They are tie on 18 points. In you know, in their respective efforts, 18 out of 25 are the best scores that we've seen this season for Banquet or Burnett. Obviously, the last chance we had of breaking that tie was this past weekend. 
where Jodie McKenna's had her chance, which would have been her third chance. Alex had already had three chances. This was Jodie's third chance to try and go and break that tie that we currently have. She didn't get it. She got 16 out of 25 for last game week. A, a score guy is quite similar, familiar with that 16 out of 25, but I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to put too much coals on on Guy Drinkle here. Guy, we've got a whole host of games this week. Obviously, midweek fixtures, um, and some of these games aren't really as important as others. Not all things are equal, unfortunately, this week for the Premier League. There's some fixtures where teams are just playing for position in terms of where they finish in the league. And that probably is massive for some teams when it comes to financial benefit of finishing maybe a league position high. That could be the difference between being able to bring in a, a you know the first person on their transfer list opposed to the second option just because of the finances. Now how do you think some of these teams just in general are going to approach these games? I'm speaking specifically for the games that don't necessarily have anything to play for bar maybe pride or trying to get a bit further up in the league. Yeah, I think some teams have got they're taking a, a they've got to take a bit of pride in it because some some have been downright embarrassing for halves of the uh halves of the season or certainly parts of the season. I mean Tuesday's games, I mean there's only probably one meaningful one there. In fact, indeed there actually is only one meaningful one there. So them, them first three we'll talk about in a min. Not really anything riding on them. Probably not even too many positions. I mean, Southampton out of that group and Brighton are probably the only ones who can fluctuate at all, really. Um, so yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. But we've seen it already. Sometimes the the pressure comes off, and and teams just improve massively, don't they? I mean, West Brom gave Liverpool a good game the other day. Till Allison did that. Um, Southampton seemed to improve. Maybe that coincided with uh, Danny Ings coming back. But I mean, Newcastle. Look at Newcastle. <laughs> they've got safe and they've turned into prime Barcelona. <laughs> it's they are fantastic to yeah. watch at the moment. It, I, like we'll probably discuss it when we get to it because they're playing Sheffield United, which is the most pointless team to talk about. But do that all season and Steve Bruce will be a hero of Newcastle. <laughs> but it's not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, some some teams just need talking about more generally, don't they, than, than the match themselves, I think. Yeah, and I mean, it's just luck of the draw, unfortunately, for some of the teams. It's not that other teams have more importance to us. It's just luck of the draw. As we said, some teams, the season's pretty much done for them. Some teams still have a lot to play for, and some teams have must-win games as well. So we've got a whole mixture of teams. But two teams that, you know, probably fall into the bracket of the first teams that I mentioned there that don't necessarily have much to play for in this specific game week. We start off this game week with Fulham versus Man United. Now, Fulham, as we've mentioned, unfortunately, one of those teams that have been relegated. Now, obviously, me being in London, I want as many London teams in the league as possible because that helps me when it comes to, you know, getting tickets, if I'm being honest, <laughs> especially for Liverpool away games. That's one down, unfortunately. They come up against a Man United team that have secured and had secured for quite a while now, second place in the league. As we said, Man United, Manchester City 
already the champions. And Leicester, Chelsea, Liverpool, West Ham, Tottenham, if you want to throw them in there as well, they're all chasing third and fourth, respectively. Man United are kind of just in this awkward second-place position. And I say awkward without any disrespect. I'm sure any team that's not Man City, obviously, would want to be in that coveted second spot right now. How do you see these teams going into this game? Man United obviously still have plenty to play for this season with Europa League. Are, are those Europa League spots maybe coming into play for some of the players that might feature? Well, the last time we saw United was the Liverpool game, and they, they were quite embarrassing, really. Um, like, I know they scored two goals and were winning that game, but I think defensively they were all over the place. The midfield was all over the place. But that, apart from missing Maguire, and Martial and Greenwood didn't start, and he made a difference when he did come on. It was pretty much their first-choice team uh, without Maguire. Um, and that's a concern, because they've had second place in their own hands for a, for a little while, but if they slip up against Leicester and whoever they're playing on the last day, which is me scrolling down to Wolves, <laughs> um, which, I mean, you couldn't have too easy fixtures on paper, I don't think, but they could slip up and not finish second. It's it's unlikely, but if they finish third, that's going to be quite embarrassing regardless of the Europa League. So they do need get one more win, then the last game doesn't matter. I mean, Fulham's a perfect game, as I say. But yeah, I think Man United will have one eye on the... Um, or probably both eyes on the Europa League, but we've probably said that many times this this season. I mean, how many? I mean, Bruno. I mean, was they were six two up against Roma, weren't they in the first leg of the semi final? He still played, and then he played yep. the game in between and all the game after as well. So I don't know. Maybe Ollie just too dependent on certain players, and Bruno certainly falls into that category. I think I've heard Rashford's pretty much been playing with an injury for quite a while now. He he's never been certainly without Marsh with Martial being injured for a little while now. Rashford's never been rested or rotated, so it wouldn't surprise me if they just keep going full strength and see what happens. But at the same time, Harry Maguire got injured. You look at the state of the defence against Liverpool the other day. Lindelof getting shifted about by. I mean, he came off injured himself, didn't he? But he's been injury-prone all this. I mean, we're like two injuries away from Phil Jones playing the Europa League final. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, United will probably take this half-hazardly, but I think they'll play their strongest team, but maybe not play at the fullest intensities. And let's be honest, we we say United a second. City's, City are obviously the best team in the league by a million miles. But that doesn't mean they couldn't have been upset. United were the team to do that this season. They, I think they have the best away form in the league. But the start to the season, I know Man City had a poor start to the season, but Man United's home form at the start of the season and losing to teams like Sheffield United and stuff like that, this was a real opportunity for United. And they never really got to that level, I don't think. So, second safe, but it's almost, a, I, I see it as a wasted opportunity for United. Like, they kind of gave up with a whimper when this is the weakest league title we've had since the Leicester one. And, yeah, 
it's a, I'd say it's a wasted opportunity for United rather than I don't I don't think it's a negative or a positive because obviously finishing second from where they scraped in top four last year, it it's obviously it's obviously good finishing second, but I think they could have achieved more. They could have achieved more, and and for Fulham, I mean quickly, their team should could have and should have staved up. It should have at least been in a relegation battle till the last day of the season. It like. They've been, I think, they've been eighteenth literally every game week this this <laughs> this uh, this uh, this season, and they may end up with finishing nineteenth. Like from from that positive spell where you did your Tad's top five teams and stuff like, you had Fulham in it for, for when I was on the one one time. Their uh, December it, was yeah, way good. You couldn't deny it, and to go from that to not once ever taking advantage of their good form. And let's be honest, Newcastle were a absolute honking mess for most of this season. Brighton couldn't score a goal till Danny Welbeck decided I will become England Danny Welbeck for a couple of weeks. Um Burnley struggled for a lot of the season. Southampton have created for a lot of the season. So I I don't understand how Fulham are now eleven points behind Brighton Hove Albion. Full. It's an interesting one for yeah. sure. But with regards to this game, as as we say, not sure how intense Man United will play this game. I think maybe they might play their full team for this one and then give you know some guys a break for the Sunday fixture because Europa League final is next week, Wednesday. So kind of give it like a week yeah. for the starters. If, if they play this one, then at least you keep them in form and then they only get to play again next week would be my well that that would be my thinking of it i'm i'm going to go with a 2-0 man united win here yeah i'll say 2-1 just to be different but i i don't see fulham testing them that much like i like zambo and Gies, uh i like the defense quite a bit i like Ariola. i think some premier league teams should be looking at him but up front uh, it's just it's just Boring. You watch them and it's just boring. <laughs> like it's Lookman's been yeah. Lookman's been impressive at times, but just not not enough maybe this season. But guy, we're moving on swiftly to a team. You you mentioned you know Fulham have been boring up front. The team that's after this have not been boring at all this season. I've enjoyed every single Leeds game that I've watched this oh, season, God, yeah. even the nervy Liverpool ones. Um, they they travel to Southampton, St. Mary's. How do you see them tackling the Southampton side? I'm, I'm going to go off the bat here, and I'm just going to say I'm hoping for a fun game here because Southampton looked pretty fun this past weekend in, in their win. Um, they got the 3-1 win over the aforementioned Fulham coming up against a lead side that's in form and just a joy to watch from my perspective. I mean, that 4-0 demolishing of Burnley was absolutely beautiful to watch as a neutral fan, uh, not so much for Burnley fans, um, I would imagine. But I'm going to go with a 3-1 uh, Leeds win. I just think that Leeds have been so, so fun to watch this season. And their attack is going to cause problems for a Southampton side that have looked a bit shaky defensively for me. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, the start of the season, you'd call this game just no defence, just vibes. <laughs> um, but Le- Leeds have improved in that in that respect massively, whereas Southampton, mainly through injuries, you'd say, I think Romeo getting injured kind of curtailed 
their defensive abilities like quite a bit. And then obviously only having one right back and one left back, it means one gets injured, you're playing a centre back at left back or <laughs> a kid. And we've seen well, he's opted for the centre backs because last time he played the kids they got beat nine one or whatever it was. <laughs> so yeah. Um yeah, I think this will be a fun game. I mean, on paper, it'll probably be the most fun game of the uh, of the of the round of fixtures. Um, Southampton with Danny Ings are just a completely different animal. Like, I don't think he's had a, as good a season as he did last season. But when he's in the team, it just makes everything else work. Like Shea Adams improves, Nathan Redman improves, Walcott even like people like Walcott improves, <laughs> who's been around twenty years now. Um, Christ, we're only like five five years away from that being a fact. <laughs> I don't laugh. I'm old. I'm getting old. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd I'd agree. I think I'd make Leeds the favorite. But that Burnley game was, it was brilliant to watch. But it was actually like. 4-0 kind of did Burnley a disservice because they did play <laughs> some good attacking football. The defending was just horrendous. Um, and Nick Pope not being as obviously a big factor as well. But yeah, Leeds, Leeds have just kind of... It's like a duck to water with Premier League football. And obviously helps um, having the most experienced manager um, out with the free... Uh, and, and probably the best team and they improve so much in the summer but yeah I'd, I'd agree I'd make Leeds favourites I'll say um, I'll, again I'll be different I'll say 4-2 four 4-2 two. Four two. yeah once again an exciting game people to can't watch, be bothered uh, defending now <laughs> no 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 there's no time for defending exactly. at, at this point in time of the season a team that probably needs to defend considering they're coming up against the champions Brighton they're going to have a lot of defending to do in this game against Man City. Now, obviously, Brighton have looked really fun of late. You've mentioned Danny Welbeck coming back into form of late. They were, you know, leading the game against West Ham this past weekend. Unfortunately, then losing that lead late on with an amazing goal from outside the box for West Ham. But mm -hmm. how do you see Brighton tackling this Man City side? I mean, Brighton, they've stayed up currently in 17th place. That's all you need to do. You know, just make it, up, you know, just be one position ahead of the teams that get relegated. But they're sitting on 38 points. The two teams ahead of them are on 39. Are they, are they looking at probably pushing to get into that 15th, 16th position? I know we've mentioned Burnley um, didn't play well last time around. They've got a difficult game, whereas Newcastle play Sheffield United. So probably thinking maybe they could hop Burnley. What do you reckon for this one? Yeah, I think it, if you look at the way um, City played against Newcastle, and obviously they played a changed team, the defence was very different. I think it was, was it Eric Garcia and Aki who started centre-back? I think it was, yeah. wasn't it? I, if we see that again, you could make you could easily make an argument that even regardless of um, Brighton's lack of threat up top, um, or consistent threat up top, I should say, you you could make a case from having a go because um, Brighton defend a lot better than any of those teams around them that we mentioned in the bottom, well, outside of the relegations on the the other teams down there. Um, so I think it's a tough game. Brighton's always a tough game. I don't remember Brighton getting battered that often this season, if at all. And Man City, 
we don't know what their approach is because obviously their squad is really deep. But whenever it's their B team, it it feels off. It feels weird. <laughs> like I know Ferran Torres got a hat trick the other day, but when you see players like Torres come into the team, this next part is going to sound weird. But when you see Raheem Sterling and Sir, and, and Gabby Jesus and Sergio Aguero come into the team. I don't know how this is a legitimate sentence, but it is. The team feels unfamiliar and maybe out of sync with each other, which obviously it will be because they've not played together at all this season, really. Um, But it does feel off. So if Man City do rotate, and again, they're protecting for the Champions League um, final, and I'm guessing the Champions League final will be next weekend, or maybe the weekend. Yes, Saturday the 29th. So yeah, they they can give a week um, next week um, or next play, weekend. Yeah. yeah, they play Everton on Sunday, twenty yeah. third, uh, and then the twenty ninth is the yeah. final. I, I think they've got enough time to yeah, rest. Yeah, exactly. So maybe maybe they'll play a bit strong, maybe a bit more mixed in this game. Like play, I don't know, play Stones and Aki this week, and then Diaz and maybe not Garcia because he's going. But if if Laporte's fit. Diaz and Laporte one week and then Stones and Aku uh, midweek or something like that, just just to mix it up a bit. But yeah, I can't see them going as um, weak as they did against Newcastle. I think Man City are favourites, obviously, because, yeah, it's Man City. <laughs> um, but Brighton are a tough game for anyone, as, as I say. Sitting on the fence, you just go with a classic 2-1. Um, again... Mm, you know what? I've backed Brighton all season on this podcast. Let's go one all. Oh, one all. And I was going to say the two one shot. I mean, you can't argue with that because that's the score I had, and and I'm going to stick with it now that you've moved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think Brighton will make it difficult for City, but it will be interesting to see which City comes up because if he does bring a mixed side in, as I said similar to Man United in that there are places to play for against that Chelsea team. And mm-hmm. I know both times they've played Chelsea recently, it's been kind of like rotated squads for both of them, but Chelsea have had the better of them in those games. So is this food for thought? You know, it's going to be the bluff and the double bluff and the triple bluff that's going to be coming, I can imagine, between Pep and Tuchel. So it'll be interesting to see the motivation of the players there. Guy, when I when it comes to motivation, there is no bigger motivation for the two teams that are playing our next fixture. It is game of the week, surely. Chelsea versus Leicester City. Now, obviously, this game has huge repercussions when it comes to top four. Chelsea currently sitting in fourth place. They've got 64 points. Leicester above them, sitting in third place. They've got 66 points. Guy Drinkle. Now, obviously, you will be looking at this game with Liverpool-tinted glasses, but how do you see this game going? I'm I'm expecting a really cagey, maybe, tactical game where both teams are kind of not wanting to lose and, and maybe a winner comes out of that. But Or, you know, maybe you're going to be able to convince me that it's going to be a free-flowing game. I don't think it'll be free flowing. Um, I think if you, I know the finals, very different circumstances, but I think that's the way both teams play. I think Ch- uh, Leicester against bigger teams, they want to do the counter attacking because it suits their squad. 
Um, it suits Brendan. That's what he used to do with Liverpool. Um, obviously, with more mental players <laughs> back then. Um, <laughs> but you look, you look, you look against um, in the cup final. I think their goal, their worldy goal, was their only shot on target, which kind of sums it up. Um, whereas you look at Chelsea, they have all the control in the world. Uh, but they're very they're quite blunt up front, and that's been a problem all season. Werner inconsistent. Kai Havertz is young and still settling. He doesn't like Tammy Abraham for some reason, and Giroud is he kind of just scores in the odd moment, but he's not really consistent anymore, is he? So yeah, I think we'll see. I think we'll see a similar pattern to the cup final, if anything. But the old adage is that. If you play the team you beat in the cup final, the other team wins. Like <laughs> Liverpool, Chelsea in two thousand eleven. I'm sure we all. I'm sure you remember that as well. I think it was two thousand. No, it was two thousand twelve. I think. Um, yeah, we, we, we beat Chelsea. We beat Chelsea like four one, didn't we? Afterwards. Um, so yeah, it's it's a weird one. I mean, from from my perspective, my bias perspective, I did Leicester win. Six nil, that'd be that'd be nice. <laughs> it would help our goal difference. It'd take the pressure off. We could slip up a game and get a draw if Leicester win comfortably. Um, but yeah, I think Chelsea will be favourites for this. I think Leicester's season's kind of taken the toll on them. We see Johnny Evans get injured the game before the cup final. I think it was, and then obviously coming off in the cup final. Um, We've seen players like James Justin get injured at like a few must have been months ago now. So they're kind of inconsistent with, with their injuries there. But if if they are if they're motivated still and haven't been on the sesh since the cup final, they they can give a game, but I think Chelsea are the favourites. I think he'll I think he'll re, re, revert back to well, I say revert back to we don't even know what his first choice eleven is. I think for me you look at Chelsea, I think you kind of got to build around Havertz as the false nine, unless you're planning on like buying Haaland or something in the in the summer, which would yes, don't do that. <laughs> but if they if they want if if they want to build around with the squad they got, I think Havertz is the best option as the false nine. Probably Werner on the left. And out of the other bunch, I'd probably say Pulisic on the right. I'd I'd probably stick with that. Obviously they can't play every game. But I'd say that's the best I've seen out of them. Uh, under Tuchel, midfield Jorginho's kind of reverted back to being terrible in the last few games. Some hope I, I'm not sure when Kovacic is actually back. Um, but yeah, I think Chelsea will be favourites. Leicester may be tired; their squad's kind of been depleted a bit more by injuries. And I'll go three-one <sighs> Chelsea. I think if they play that front three I talked about, I think it can get them younger centre backs. Because they they were excellent in the cup final, but we saw I think it was Newcastle again before they were a bit of a mess. So the inconsistencies might be there. Yeah, I mean this is probably as I keep saying game of the the week, and I'm sure everyone will be watching this game, but pretty close and and pretty intensely just to see how it pans out. If if you guys want to watch this game, I highly recommend you link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. You can find them at libertyshield.com. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, and you can check out all of their services at libertyshield.com. Also, you can save 20% with the coupon code EPLVPN. Um, 
And also just to shout out that our other presenting sponsors are EPLindex.com. So go check out EPLindex.com for all of your Premier League news, fixtures, reviews, player profiles, anything you kind of want surrounding EPL. EPL Index has got it for you. Now, for this game, Guy, I reckon I reckon it's going to come down to how good the defences are. And I just think I have more faith in Chelsea's defense than I do Leicester's for, for, for some reason. Mm. You know, it's not, it, it, it's not even necessarily that I've sat down, you know, and, and looked at the numbers. This is purely just on the eye test for me. And I, and I always admit whenever something is an eye test thing, because we all know confirmation bias is real and, and you, you do need to go check the numbers just to confirm things. But just eye test, I've, I've, I've Looked at Chelsea and thought they've looked a lot more stable than Leicester. So I think Chelsea are going to see this one out. I'm going to go 3-2. I know it's kind of weird saying it's going to come down to defences and then going for a 3-2 prediction. But it's in the sense of, I think Leicester only get that second goal really late when they really go all out to try and get back into the game. Although it would have been 3-1 for quite a while and it's kind of like a consolation goal. Um and guy, we move on to our next fixture, and it's Everton versus Wolves. Now, this is a fixture that has one team that's got all to play for in Everton trying to secure a European spot, and a Wolves team that doesn't necessarily have much to play for this season. Obviously, a season to forget for Wolves. I think they're just happy to, you know, still be in the league. I, I, I don't know if they were ever seriously in danger of being eliminated out of mm. the Premier League, but. Having said that, it's not been a great season for them. And and usually when the top sides don't perform well, you have certain squads that kind of get themselves geared and ready for, you know, capitalizing on those things. We've seen Leicester do that time and time again in recent history where whenever the big teams slip up, Leicester always in, in and around there to try and get one of those spots or get a championship as, as they did a couple of seasons back. Wolves were becoming one of those teams for me. And then it just went all wrong for them this season. Now, obviously, that's one thing, putting that aside, the, the season stuff. For this game, Everton have really been irritating me in the sense that every time they have an opportunity to do something significant, they seem to just lose the game or draw the game. I mean, Sheffield United, 1-0 loss is inexcusable, in, in, in my opinion. When you've got such a key thing like getting European football to Goodison Park next season. Fans will obviously, you know, cross fingers, hopefully be back fully in the grounds. I mean, those would be epic nights for for Everton fans and, and just English fans in general. Um, I'm worried for Everton in this one. I'm going to go with a 1-0 Everton win, but it's, a, it's not a confident 1-0 guy. I mean, that's... I don't know if that's brave or stupid today, considering <laughs> Everton's home form. <laughs> they need it, guy. They need they need the win here. Well, they needed the win against Sheffield United. <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, they've needed the win all season at home. Like they should have walked top four easily. Like where where are they now? How many points they're on now? They are on fifty six points now. So if they even had m- mid table away form they'd probably be in the top four. It, it's, it's, it's such a weird seat. Like, if they got 10 more points, they'd be in the top four race right now. Like, even, like, 
Sheffield <laughs> three points. Three points against Sheffield United. Like we mentioned United losing them there. But that was a very different situation. Well, it wasn't. Sheffield were at the bottom of the table then, but it wasn't a relegated Sheffield United team. So yeah, Everton, like every time I watch them, at home especially, it's lifeless. It's boring. And obviously they've had their injuries and stuff like that. But I think a bit of it comes from the manager and quite a lot of it comes from the squad not really being good enough and... I mean, you look at it, even out, like, let's talk as Liverpool fans for a sec today. You look at Everton's squad, is there anyone from that squad, that the Everton squad, even like the depleted Liverpool squad now, apart from the centre-backs who have been awful, would you really want any of them in the team? Maybe Calvert-Lewin over Firmino? That's probably about it. Yeah, I, I think Everton... It kind of has to be some of the parts. I don't think they can go with the approach of, you know, individual play. I mean, you've got the likes of Richarlison and stuff that, that can win a game on their own on any given day, but the consistency then comes mm, the worry. He's been awful. So because, yeah, I mean, Calvert-Lewin's goals have also dried up recently. So I don't think it's necessarily individual performances. I think it's trying to get a collective performance out of them. Do you see them getting that? That's why I've gone with the 1-0. Just mm. one game treat it like a cup final and just get the collective performance from everyone. I don't. I, I I really don't. Like, if you can't do it against Sheffield United, why would you do it against Wolves? Like, Wolves have been awful. And if they, I don't know what their injury situation is, if they stop playing back, a back four and they play a back three against this Everton team, I think it'll be nil-nil. Now, I don't know if Wolves actually have anyone fit to play a back three. <laughs> but he, even if, I mean, Conor Cody had about a million clearances the other day. Again, he can't play in a back four. Like, he was still bad, even though he had a million clearances. Um, Root, uh, Sice, Roman Sice, that's his first name. It, he was bad as well. It just Like, you just watch Wolves now, and it's like the opposite. And I know it all stemmed from the Jimenez injury. But that's one player. That doesn't mean your entire system breaks down. Surely not. Like, I know Liverpool, as his fans, have bemoaned Van Dijk getting injured. But that's not just Van Dijk. It's Matip, it's Gomez, it's all our midfielders. It's uh, mostly Mane being space-jammed by his twin brother. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we'll get to him. Um, But yeah, like... And I know Bolly's been injured a little bit. I think Kilman missed a bit. Mark Hall's been missing a while. Uh, the le- Johnny Otto missed most of the season, apart from a couple of weeks he was back. So they obviously have had more injuries, but I think their boringness stems from him and Ez getting injured mostly. But you can be boring and insecure. Like, look at Crystal Palace. They've been boring and insecure for all of Roy <laughs> Hodgson's tenure. Whereas Wolves. Now you look at them and it's like, if if they're playing a back four, you look at them and like, holy hell, is this Blackpool? <laughs> it's like all over the place. It's like panic stations from minute one. So Wolves just Wolves need to revert back to what got them success. And if they do, I, I'm going with nil-nil. And if it's a back four, I mean, I think Wolves can 
get at Everton's defence. You, you, I've watched them recently. Like, I quite like, I liked Mason Holgate, but he's turned into a mess. Michael Keane's not developed at all at Everton. Yerry Mina's not really that good. Ben Godfrey's probably the only centre back, and I think he's played right back most of the season, or kind of in the back seven <laughs> that uh, Carlos played. But yeah. I, Godfrey's the only one who's seemingly coming away with any credit from from Everton fans. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll go I'll go with a nil nil. Um, I that that form unless like unless the crowd coming back inspires them, but by accounts of people who've been to Goodison, it's not the happiest place to to go watch football. So yeah, I, I'll go I'll go nil nil. I think that'll probably be the most boring game of the midweek fixtures. Q a seven seven thriller. I mean, yes, that would be lovely. Kai, <laughs> <laughs> you you predicted a draw here, and we teased earlier on in the show show that there is a draw when it comes to Banquet or Burnett. So I'm gonna, you know, give the floor to you to reveal what what do we do with this situation? As I said, Alex is on eighteen out of twenty five. Jody's on eighteen out of twenty five. We need to have a winner. We don't believe in in draws on this podcast, as as we've mentioned. Time and time again, even though you try and sneak in draws every now and then, we're not having it when it comes to Bank of Burnham. We don't believe in a draw for that one. What do we do to find a winner? Well, as the believer of draws on this podcast, I, I think they should just share it. <laughs> but <laughs> I was not allowed to say that. Um, the suits have not allowed that, guy. They've come up with a solution. I've been told. So I've been told they've come up with a solution. If it is to share it, I'm going to be very disappointed. It is. I got vetoed out of that decision <laughs> by you. <laughs> but no, it looks like we're having a face-off after the midweek fixtures. And today, do you want to tell them a bit more about the format, how this is going to work? Yeah, um, it looks very exciting. Now, Bank or Burnett usually is, obviously, with a total score of 25. It's five questions with, you know, with regards to the first five fixtures we usually speak about. This week as the decider, as the clincher, to decide who will be the winner of Bank It or Burn It for 2020-2021. We're going to go with all 10 fixtures. That's every single fixture that, and you know, on Saturday for the last game of the season, Jody and Alex are going to answer the five questions, but for the 10 fixtures and give us their Bank It or Burn It answers. Whoever comes out with the win in that face-off is going to be crowned the Banquet or Burnet champion. So, guys, tune in to next, the next episode. We'll probably be recording that on Thursday. Um, so it might come out either really late Thursday night or definitely early morning Friday if, if it is recorded on the Thursday. Um, and basically what's going to happen is I'm going to have one of the guests on. They're going to give me their 10 Banquet or Burnets. Then we're going to switch to the next person, the next guest, who's going to give me their 10 Banquet or Burnets. Now, they're obviously not going to be able to hear each other's answers. We're making sure of that. And then that will decide. We'll have a show next week at some point in time revealing the champion of Banquet or Burnet. I'm, I'm really excited for that guy. I'm not. It's not me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not winning it. I may just listen along and do all my answers, and then just if I beat them both, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come and just like crap all over it. <laughs> it work like that. You got to qualify. It does. I you will buy. Like... I will buy my own little trophy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be brilliant. But guy, 
Um, we move on. And speaking of buying their own little trophies, I think Newcastle should buy an end-of-season form trophy. Um, if, if I was them, I would be. And if I'm Steve Bruce, I'm definitely buying one and putting that in the trophy cabinet. They have looked so fun to end the season, Guy. Do they continue this form against Sheffield United? I hope so. I hope so. I mean... I know Steve Bruce got uh, manager of the month for April and then in, in May it's kind of... The results haven't gone, but the performances have been fun apart from the Arsenal one. Um, it's it's so weird. Like, as I said in, in the intro bit when we were talking about teams in general, and it's hopefully it's down to injuries for Newcastle fans' sake. But this kind of happened last season as well. Newcastle got safe, then he let the reins off a bit and they played quite entertaining football. Now that's turned up to 11 this year. <laughs> um, but if if Newcastle go into next season and everyone's fit, because I don't think many will be going to the Euros, like Sam Maximum, I doubt he'll get a French call up and stuff like that. Um, and Callum Wilson, I don't think he'd get in. Well, maybe, but probably not. Um so yeah, I think if everyone gets a good preseason or a good break, then preseason, hopefully they come into the season with a bit of a not even flair, but attacking intent. That that's been the main problem when you've watched Newcastle. There is no attacking intent at all, and obviously even now when it's entertaining, it's still very much counter attacking. But before this end of season releasing of the reins, it's just been like. Like, not even... I know Sam Ackerman missed quite a lot of the season, but it's been Joel Linton 50 yards of grass than someone else. <laughs> and that's Joel Linton. It's... Obviously, he's... Impro- I think he's... I think Joel Linton's improved, like, the kind of dropping him further back a bit and having Sam Maxim and Callum Wilson there to kind of alleviate pressure. But no player could do that. Never mind Joel Linton. No player could do the 50 yards of space. I know Rondon did it, but I don't think Rafa ever had it that big of a gap. Um, So yeah, I think if you get people, two or three people higher up, it's going to improve relationship with the, with the Newcastle fans so much, especially with fans coming back, because we know Newcastle fans will not accept that boring football. Like, I'm pretty sure that like, let's say, Graham Potter became Newcastle manager. The results, the um, league position didn't improve all that much, but the style of football would have improved hugely. I'm sure they would be so much happier, even if they finished, like let's say, Brighton Brighton or a spot behind. What now? But it's it's more than just a results-based business for Newcastle fans. Clearly, they want some entertainment. In the 90s and early 2000s under... Keegan and Bobby Robson, it was all about, obviously it came with success, but entertainment, they were known as the entertainers, and there's no reason why they can't do that, like, maybe Steve Bruce is that reason, but we've seen it's capable, like, Steve Bruce, he's obviously never been, like, Bielsa, crazy football, or Pep Guardiola, beautiful football, or Klopp, Gagan pressing football, but... I'm sure I, rem- I can't remember Wigan being this boring. His Sunderland team for a little bit were quite entertaining, I think. So you can... And his whole team was good, maybe in the lower leagues, but he got them to an FA Cup final, so he must have been doing something well. So I think Steve Bruce, if he 
without any injuries, if he can continue this, see how it goes, because if it goes well, you can always revert back to Tyfe and go the defensive way. But Newcastle, just 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 to let's quote Nike, just do it. <laughs> just just do it. I mean, why not? Why not? Like And they've certainly got the players to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. As you mentioned, and if they get more. a good break, they they can come into next season firing on all cylinders. They could be a really fun team yeah. to watch next season. But with regards to this specific game, are they still going to be a fun team for this one? It's it's a Sheffield United coming off a win. It doesn't matter, so why not? <laughs> yeah. Sheffield United like I was half watching the Everton game because it was very, very boring. Um obviously they look better with that is it Jebison or Jemison? The young yep. kid Jebison. Yeah. It he looks I mean he's seventeen, I think he was uh, Charlie, I think he was up for the first half of the season. It it doesn't speak well of Rian Brewster, Liggs Mooset and everyone else <laughs> at the club. Um but he he's improved them a lot. Like he is massive for a seventeen year old. Like yeah. He is absolutely huge. Um, but they've got some players back from injury. I don't think Heckingbottom will be there next season, or he probably shouldn't be there next season if their aim is to get promoted. But they have improved. Like, David McGoldrick's a good player, and then they had Ben Osborne as kind of a half-attacking midfielder, half-winger type thing. I think he's he's always been a tidy little player, I think. Um, I think their injuries kind of screwed their... Tr- uh, their season, but I'd, I'd probably go back to the summer and go, hmm, it was a risky summer that a more established Premier League team could have taken, but use you finished eighth, but you still weren't established, if you get what I mean. Um, So, yeah, I think Sheffield just this summer kind of screwed them, then Jack O'Connell got injured and it was like the exclamation point. So, yeah, I think, New- I think Newcastle will win. I think... Well, maybe maybe fans will do the reverse change. They'll come back and they'll go back to being awful, but hopefully not. Um, so I, I'll go. I'll go three one Newcastle. Three one Newcastle. Music to Newcastle ears. That would be a really confident win for me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Oh, it's a tough one. Newcastle seem to also just bring teams back into games as well, even as as fun as the games are. Hmm. I'm gonna go three two to Newcastle. It's gonna, I'm gonna, it's go gonna be good either way. <laughs> yeah, it should be a really fun game. Um, but as we said, both teams don't necessarily have anything to play for this season. We move on to our next fixture, and both te- these teams have something to play for. We've got a Spurs team that is maybe still clinging on to a hope of a top four finish i mean they're sitting on 59 no. points <laughs> no. two from their next games guy drinkle and they would be on 65 points now fourth place currently is chelsea with 64 points so mathematically speaking spurs are still in this guy um and then we've got an aston villa side who maybe can try and get you know get into the top half of the table Leeds currently hold that position in 53 points Aston Villa 11th with 49 points. It's possible that they could get into the top half of the table. But for this specific game, I mean, Spurs looked a bit shaky against Wolves this past weekend. I watched that game and 
although it, it, it basically ended up being we've got better quality finishers than you guys, and that's how they ended up winning that one, from my opinion. I, I, I didn't enjoy the type of football that they were playing. And they're coming up against an Aston Villa side who, I mean, Grealish has come back slowly. Uh, he's had two sub-appearances. Does he maybe get 60 minutes in this one? I know Euros are creeping up. Maybe he might want to get some minutes under his legs to to show Southgate that he can be, you know, he can have some involvement in, in the Euros. This game, I think it's going to, uh, Spurs need to win it. But they've not looked that impressive for me. I'm going to go with a 1-1 for this one. What do you think for this specific game, Guy? Yeah, it's a strange one. I think Spurs... It's hard to say. I think Ryan Mason's came in. Obviously, he's, he's got his coaching badges and so that's why he's got the job. But he is still in his 20s, so he's, he's very young. Um, he's kind of let them attack more. But... <sighs> I think Jose could have easily done that. It's just that Jose is a stubborn so and so. I was going to say some. I was going to say another word there. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a PG podcast. Yes, thank I you. Try, day, I day. try not to swear. <laughs> um, some slip out, but that defense. I think the more you let the attack off the rings, obviously bringing Delhi Ali back into the number ten spot and Gareth Bale on the right, and then you've also got Son and Kane. I don't see much defensive work out of that lot. <laughs> um, again, you're not. Then you're not supplement. Like I think Jose had tried that, but then at the same time he had Hojberg at times, Musa Sissoko, and over times Ndombele. But then Ryan Mason's still. I think he's playing Lacelso, who I'd consider a number ten more than anything, with Hojberg, and then Hojberg scored the other day, so he's obviously freeing them up to attack, <laughs> but. Their centre-back's Eric Dyer. That's not good. <laughs> and Toby Alderweireld, who has aged quicker than anyone I've ever seen, I think. Because he's gone from being the best centre-back in the country to being a problem very quickly. Um, so, yeah, I think if a team has intac- attacking intent against Spurs, obviously that, that attack could be any team in the league. It's probably the best on paper. Um Probably only cities, if if all their players were on form, could match it. On paper, that would match it, I think. Um, But you look at the defensive issues. If Grealish does play, and I think you mentioned Villa have something to play for, I'd probably say their main priority as a club is probably getting Jack Grealish ready for the Euros (laughs) (laughs) rather than finish top top half. So, yeah, it's... uh, if Grealish is on it, if Watkins is on it, Bertrand has one of his better games, they could they could test that defence because that defence is awful, regardless who's there. Like I like Reggion, but he's probably more of an attacking minded fullback. The right back situation's bad. It just is. All the centre backs are bad, and Hugo Lloris is quite error prone nowadays. Um, so if you have a go, I think you can score against them. But at the same time, I think Aston Villa's defence has kind of just worsened as the season's gone on, I think. And Martinez has kind of kept them alive. I think full-backs have kind of been all right. The centre-backs, I think Cons has been good, but a bit more up and down recently. And Mings is just a bit... What's the PG way of saying the word I want to say? Bad. Bad, <laughs> that's the word. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll go Tottenham. I think there'll be goals in it. 
because again, we're just doing no defending, just vibes on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll go three two Spurs. Three two to Spurs. Another fun game to check out this weekend. Um, guy, this game surely there's not much to play for for both these teams. It's Crystal Palace versus Aston versus Arsenal. Maybe from Crystal Palace's perspective, potentially giving Roy Hodgson a, a lovely send off. Um, mm. Could be the motivation. I, I know this past weekend they had a fantastic comeback win against the aforementioned Aston Villa in a 3-2 game that was really fun to see. They're playing an Arsenal side who currently sit in ninth place. Could possibly end up in tenth place, but I, I, you know, that's I think that's the lowest that they could finish this season just based on goal difference as well. Looking at Aston Villa's goal difference, do you think? There's much to play for for this team in in terms of Arsenal. Obviously, Arteta will want to at least finish the season strong and start looking ahead to next season because it doesn't look like they're going to be getting rid of him. But that that's talk about you know that's a podcast we could do all on its own. And this specific game, I think Crystal Palace are looking to give Roy Hodgson a nice send off. It just you know the round of applause that happened after the game, obviously for Mitchell getting the goal, and I think part of that was for Hodgson as well and the way they came back. I think this is a game where Palace's motivations can be big, bigger than Arsenal's. So I'm going to go. What, what what's the theme again? Just goals, no, 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 no defense, uh, no defense just, vibes. just vibes. No defense, just vibes. In the theme of no defense, just vibes. I'm going to go with another three-two thriller and Aston uh, with Crystal Palace winning that one. Are you thinking no defense, just vibes? Um. I don't think Roy Hodgson allows no defence. <laughs> That's the problem here. I did. I, I can't. I don't know if it was sourced or whatever. Someone put in a WhatsApp group, uh, one of my WhatsApp groups, that Crystal Palace will end the season with a bit more attacking intent, which I see as a lie. Albeit they did did score three the other day, um, so maybe it's true. But I think if Roy Hodgson does just go, yeah, then doesn't matter to me anymore. There is attacking talent in that team, and as we know, Arsenal's defence is hashtag bad. Um, so I could see them giving them not thumping. Christ, I'm go not, on, join me. No, join no, me. I've just got to put my Roy Hodgson hat on. Oh, okay. What's it going to be? I'll go two one Palace. Ah, oh, boo. Yeah, boo. a bit boring. What a boring fixture. But it, it's two boring managers and two boring <laughs> teams. Yeah, well, that that we'll see. We'll see what kind of performance is given in that one. We move on to the next game, and this is a must-win game for Liverpool. They travel to Burnley, a difficult fixture for Klopp at times. Um, so we'll see how they handle that. Guy, it's a must-win for Liverpool. I'm just going to stick to my 1-1 predictions that I've been predicting for Liverpool games because that yep. seems to be winning and leave it at that. What do you reckon? Yeah, as you say, a must-win. This game depends on me as if Sadio Mane's evil twin brother like allows him <laughs> out of his dungeon to go play for Liverpool or something because like the emotion of the West Brom game, once you calm down and forget that your goalkeeper just saved our season by scoring a goal somehow, is it, we just do not score goals. There is one person in that, well, two people if you count Alisson who score goals in our team. Um, like, Mo Salah is the only one capable of scoring goals, especially now Jota's out for the season. Um, Firmino is Firmino. <laughs> he's never been about goal scoring, and now he's not about anything. 
and Sadio Mane is like awful. Like even at points this season where he wasn't scoring goals, you'd look at him and he'd still do stuff in the game. Now he doesn't. Like I know he got the assist and pressed well in one instance, but that rest of the game he was awful. Absolutely stank the place out. Um. So yeah, it all all of it depends on that for me. Obviously, our away form has been better than our home form. That's kind of what I can grab onto. Burnley have done better at Anfield, obviously ending the win streak last season. And did they beat us at Anfield or drew with us? I think we drew, didn't we? I might be wrong on that. Um, but yeah, I think at Turf Moor, we have a better record. I'm not confident any means at all. 2-1 Liverpool. Another one for me ended up in hospital by the end of it. My goodness, they're, they're not making it easy for their fans um, if they do end up making it into the top four. We will find out. But um, we move on to West Brom versus West Ham. Obviously, West Ham still have all to play for when it comes to European football. And unfortunately for them, their Champions League hopes maybe have just dwindled over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, one win in their last five games speaks to that. Guy, do they still challenge for that at least Europe, Europa League spot um, or I suppose the Europa Conference is now a thing. West Brom showed Liverpool that they can, they can be a dogged team when they want to be. Um, how do you see this game going? Can I kick us off? I'm going to go. I, I predicted a 1-1 in the Liverpool game, but that's intentional. You know, Liverpool know what I mean when I say that. It, it's been working. I'm not going to break a broke, um, something that's working. West Brom versus West Ham, I'm going to go for a 1-1 for this one, a, a, a real 1-1 that I'm speaking. This is the last game of the game week. How do you see this specific game going? Yeah, I think it could be it could be fun, I think. I think West Brom have kind of ended the season not strongly because they kind of went down somewhat with a whimper, didn't they? But yeah, I think... Yeah. I'll back West Ham because I kind of want the Euro. I want the Europa League run to kind of be there, just not the Champions League run. <laughs> um, but I mean, quickly on West Ham season, it's it's been excellent wherever they finish. If they get Europa League conference, well, that I, I call it the Vanorama Conference, because it's funny. It, it's been an excellent season, but yeah, I think I'll again sitting on the fence, two one West Ham, but. Yeah, it's it's been a tough end. They, they ran out of form at the wrong time, didn't they? And, and Declan Rice injury kind of killed them off a bit. But I'll back West Ham uh, 2-1. I can see Antonio causing that back line a, a few issues if if they play if West Brom play a bit more expansively than they did against West uh, against Liverpool. So yeah, I'll, I'll go 2-1 West Ham. 2-1 West Ham. And as I said, Similar to Spurs, West Ham can still end the season on 65 points. So, strictly speaking, they're still in the top four race, but they currently have only 10 goals in their positive goal difference, Mm. whereas fourth place currently has 22 goals. Although, if they have a chance of making top four, it means the teams above them are all losing games. So, if they all lose games horrifically and West Ham win games because they must win the games to get into that <clears> position and happen to score a bajillion goals they could make 
Champions League football. That is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Guy, thank you so much for coming on to the show, giving us that breaking news that we're going to have a face-off podcast to decide, bank it or burn it. I'm so, so excited for that episode. I'm really interested to see who takes the prize for the season. And obviously, you know, I, I, I probably need to then speak to the suits upstairs and in finalizing the prize. I know it's been penciled in and, and they, they're ready to give me the green light to action it. I just need to go and speak to them again. I suppose once the winner has been decided, we can then green light what is being done. So that's really fun as well. Guy, do you have anything you want to plug, put over, promote before we wrap up? Uh, me and yourself and Kay will probably be doing Rate Don't Hate, which uh, for non-Liverpool uh, or AI subscriber listeners, we, we rate the players, uh, do match ratings for Liverpool games, and we will be doing West Brom and Burnley as a package deal, so please beat Burnley so it doesn't ruin talking about Alisson scoring a goal, please. Like, <laughs> I want to hand Alisson a 10 and be happy, you know what I mean? I don't want to go, Alison got a 10, but the season's over, and now I'm crying. Know what I mean? That's, that would not make yeah. for a fun episode. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Burnley game for that one. Um, from my end, you guys can check out all of the content on the EPL Index website. We have match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, also all the news you could wish for, guys. It's a really cool website to go to just to get everything you need for EPL, you know, for the Premier League. It's kind of like a one-stop shop, which is really cool. I'm, I, I get irritated having to source different things from different websites. Just get to EPLindex.com and you've got everything there you need. Of course, there's The Daily Show. Um, it's hosted by Dave Hendrick. It's the two-footer podcast. Finally, you can also check out our flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewing, previewing of the happenings around the EPL. I'm pretty sure they're going to be discussing the implications of what happens if certain teams win, if certain teams draw, if certain teams lose when it comes to those European spots. I'm sure everyone has got their calculators ready this week. It should be a fun, fun week. Um, you can follow this podcast on the Twitter page at atadpredictable. You can also follow at EPL Index, um, subscribe to the EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers, give it five stars, write some positive comments if you feel so inclined, guys. That stuff goes a long way in helping us out. Give a shout out to Liberty Shield as well on Twitter. Um, as I said, go check out their services at libertyshield.com. Tweeting them, letting them know you heard about them from us also helps us out. It makes us look good. Once again, that coupon code EPLVPN, save yourself 20%. Um, I've been Tadio Chanakira. You, you can find me on my Twitter handle, at TadPredicts. Guys mentioned one of the things I'm doing in the ratings. It's also a whole bunch of things. Just check out my Twitter. You will, you'll be able to find everything there. The lovely lady that does our guest intros, Jody, is at Spursy141. She's going to be on the next episode, obviously trying to win that bank it or burn it. The other lady, Alex Leticia, at Alex Leticia, is also going to be on that episode, once again, trying to win the outright bank, it'll burn it. You guys tweet at them, give them encouragement, show support for both, quite frankly, or if you've got a favorite, show support to your favorite. Let us know who you're rooting for. We will be interested to hear who you guys are all rooting for. Our producer behind the glass, 
And he was our guest today on the microphone, bringing the news from the suits upstairs. I'm glad you've got a direct link today. I have to hop through seven different challenges and doors and gateways just to get a conversation with the suits upstairs. But Guy Drinkle was our plug. He stepped in, gave us the big news, but bank it or burn it next weekend. You can find his Twitter account at Guy Drinkle. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.